More good news this week as we return to some kind of normality here in the UK with the lifting of many COVID restrictions. Hello, Matthew Grant here, partner at Instec London. And by the way, whilst we are based here in the UK, Instec London has gone global over the last 18 months. If you're listening from outside the UK, you are definitely not alone. More than half, that's 52% of our listeners are from outside the UK these days. That means we've exported more than 55,000 downloads of the Instec London podcast around the world, tariff-free and borderless. On the subject of global, today I am speaking with Mick Noland, General Manager for Insurance at CoreLogic. Now, InsurTech may have arrived about 10 years ago, but insurance have had access to plenty of data for a lot longer than that. And whilst CoreLogic is no startup, it's been innovating and acquiring companies for a couple of decades, including, as you'll hear shortly, the organisation where I first discovered insurance quite a while ago. I find out from Mick what CoreLogic is doing today, both in insurance and with banks and lenders. Now, CoreLogic is another company offering a platform for multiple data sources, theirs and their partners, and we'll talk about what that means in practice too. Finally, by the time you're listening to this, we'll have held our first proper live event. That's the kind where you actually meet people in person, not just over Zoom. We're set to have a sunny evening on the banks of the Thames here in London to welcome back our corporate members and those people that supported us over the last 18 months. By the way, access to our events is just another benefit of being a member. We've got our first full event returning on the 14th of September at the Steelyard here in London. Doors open at 5.30pm, capacity limited to 250. So if you are in London or you want an excuse to come and see us, registration opens next week. Now, here's Mick. Mick, really delighted to have you joining us today uh, as we'll talk a bit about I'm sure the the DNA of core logic runs deep within my own personal genes but anyway less about me and more about you you're general manager of insurance for core logic you joined about a year ago and you were previously CTO with a couple of insurance companies map free uh, MetLife and, and the Hartford that's three so you definitely have got experience from the side of someone who's actually consuming these data now CoreLogic has been in the news recently. It's a name I think is familiar to some people. Others may not be aware of what you're doing or certainly not the breadth of what you're doing. So really looking forward to actually unpicking a little bit more about the uh, CoreLogic business. And thanks for joining us. Thank you, Matthew. It's terrific to be here. Um, and uh, I really actually really enjoy your your podcast as well. So uh, so thank you for the work you do. Yeah, as you said, uh, about 25 years in the insurance industry, really on the client side. Prior to joining CoreLogic, in about ten months now with uh, with CoreLogic, I know in your your background, you're the role of CTO. Uh, presumably, that was a fairly certainly technical and, and quite analytical side. So, what are the needs of the industry? And we'll talk a bit about CoreLogic in a minute. But I just, you know, independent of CoreLogic initially, you know, what kind of challenges were you seeing in your role that needed to be addressed? I started in this industry. I joined uh, Nationwide originally after uh, graduate school. I was uh, studied economics at the University of Chicago. And what I found was for an industry that is so flush with data, most of the business decisions we made actually weren't data driven. And I use the analogy, the fishermen are always talking about the one that got away and, and always this large fish that they didn't catch. And to me, that was sort of the way insurance was, was very anecdotal um, and, and frankly, very biased. And so I always felt the there was significant opportunity to make better decisions using objective methods. And so that's really been my journey over the last, you know, as I said, 25 years. It's just really leveraging data and thinking about data to make better business decisions. 
Well, hopefully in those 25 years, you know, the, the, the ability of the insurance companies to actually do something with that data has improved. I mean, I've been around <laughs> almost that long. And I, I just reveal my, my genetic background. I started off working with EQE, which was then subsequently through a couple of other companies acquired by CoreLogic. So my fingerprints are somewhere in the underlying <laughs> models you've got, but we don't need to talk about that for now. So let's just talk a bit more about CoreLogic, though. So uh, I think the name itself evolved around about 2010, but you've been acquiring companies with far longer histories than that. You're operating both in the U.S. real estate market and also to insurers. That's obviously your area of expertise. Uh, and then most recently, you know, as many of us saw following with interest, who is going to be investing in you or acquiring you, you were actually invested in by a stone point. So can you just sort of unpick a little bit about for those that you know, don't know CoreLogic, you know, what, what is your sort of reason for existing and how are you helping insurers with some of these data issues? The core of CoreLogic is really all of our real estate assets in the U.S. And I think seven or eight years ago, some of the leaders at the time really thought about what are some adjacent areas that could use data to make better decisions? Where can they leverage these property data assets that CoreLogic has? And insurance was was an adjacency that that made a lot of sense. And so that was, as you said, sort of the genesis of some of the early acquisitions. Equicat, Marshall Swiftbeck, um, known in the industry as MSB, um, Myriad, um, and, and recently Civility, Location Inc. I'm missing several, but a host of property-related insurance and workflow platform companies where CoreLogic can leverage their data assets to improve um, decisioning on the insurance side. And those sort of various companies have acquired, they, they break down in insurance into, I think broadly, I think you characterize them as claims and then risk management. Is that right? It's sort of underwriting at a, at a macro. So underwriting workflows, claims workflows and risk management, as you said. And just talking about that connection with the real estate data you've got coming in, how much sort of ability is there to use information? Obviously, it has to be you know, shared appropriately. But how good is the data coming into real estate and what is the value add when that comes into insurance companies? And are there any examples you can point to where that's working well? If I go back in time a little bit back to those early 90s and I think about the process of underwriting property insurance, certainly specific to the U.S., but I think I think analogous to to the U.K. and international markets as well, it was highly broker driven, right, highly agency driven. Brokers gathering the information, you know, some companies applying a lot of manual underwriting effort against that information that was acquired. Today, we can leverage data that's been acquired through other processes that's highly accurate. It's accurate because, you know, as you know, lenders are making significant mortgage decisions based off of the accuracy of the data. And we can leverage that in an underwriting process as an example. How would you characterize the data that is going into the mortgage lenders versus what insurers have? Are they, you know, are they in a better position or are they kind of worse than what insurers are seeing? I think of it as putting together sort of a puzzle, if you will, or a tapestry. So you're, you can really triangulate multiple data points to get to an answer. So I, I've seen a lot of data from uh, multiple sources. And of course, everyone, as you know, Matthew, says their data is you know, 100% accurate, et cetera, et cetera, or some high percentage of accuracy. Uh, the reality is, you know, that's not true. We all know that there's holes in any data set. And so what's important is understanding where those holes are in your data set and then augmenting 
those holes appropriately. And that's how I think about our data assets. Certainly, real estate data is the example we're talking about. I'm not going to argue is 100% perfect in all cases, but it's highly useful when you augment it with other data sets that, that we have, um, that we CoreLogic possess, and certainly that our clients on the insurance side also possess. So it becomes really, you know, something that a company can leverage in their business model. Yeah, no, it kind of makes, makes sense. And what about areas where people are still struggling to get the data they need? Yeah, I've got my own view on this, wrote a long report about it. But maybe from your perspective, having been in the industry and now seeing it from a core logic point of view, you know, what are the biggest challenges that people have when it comes to, I mean, it has to be actual data, of course, doesn't it? It's data that people are actually going to use and they can use for underwriting or portfolio management. But what are the, what are the challenges people are still struggling with? The fundamental challenge in my mind, Matthew, is the carrier relationship with their brokers or just call it maybe more broadly their distribution and the accuracy of the data that they receive from that channel. You start to aggregate that data and the capital effect of that is significant. And so it becomes really, really critical as you think about how, you know, any one risk we could all say, oh, well, plus or minus, we're not that concerned. But when you aggregate a lot of minuses together, now that's a real challenge. If I'm a broker, I believe strongly that my client relationships are my advantage in the marketplace. And so I don't want to do anything that would weaken that position. So I want to be accountable for data collection and customer relationship and all of those things because I see that as my value proposition. So the carrier has a, has a challenge there, right? They have to get more and more accurate information. They have to be able to augment the data that they're getting from any source, regardless if it's a broker or if it's CoreLogic or anybody else. From my perspective, being on the industry side, it's truly helping the agent see where they can add or helping the broker understand where they can add more value. Their value is on the relationship. It's not as a data gatherer. Let the, you know, in my prior world, I wanted us as the carrier to provide that value to the broker. We'll provide the, the right data. We want you to be focused on managing that relationship with the client. The good thing about what you're talking about, Mick, is that I have two things, actually. One is that across the industry, there is a recognition of the benefit of data and there's a recognition of the benefit of sharing data. So whereas a few years ago, people had much more ownership around that data, now I see much more desire to share it. And I think technically it is becoming easier and there are the appropriate precautions in place about how that data is being shared and some quite interesting technologies around moving beyond sharing spreadsheets around. And so specifically just thinking about how to keep that data fresh, what are you doing at CoreLogic to keep that data up to date so that your clients, you're not working with information that's a year or a couple of years old? The currency of the data is critical, right? How fresh is that data? As you said, there are a lot of data sets that age very quickly. I mean, two years for a property image is, is literally a lifetime, whether it's weather dynamics, whether it's other dimensions of the property. That's why it's so important to have multiple data sources, because to that question, Matthew, when you have multiple data sources, you can ensure what the latest vintage is on a given characteristic of a property, and it can remain fresher. If you're tied to one specific method and or data attribute, then the timeliness of that is likely lagging the um, combination of attributes on a particular property. 
well, what about just getting access to that data though? Because you're know, the old way of doing things and you know, probably still predominantly the way of moving data between brokers and uh, insurers and reinsurers is spreadsheets or transferring files electronically. But are you facilitating more ways so that people can get a slightly more dynamic, up-to-date view of that data from those multiple sources? We can really create through, you know, single API integrations with our clients access to all of all of the data that we have across not just all of our assets, but all of our partners that we also do business with. And then what about tracking down the individual buildings? So, you know, we're almost wherever you are in the world these days now, you put in your, we call it registration number in the UK or a license plate in the US. Your insurer then knows what your car is, what it was made of, how old it is, et cetera. You know, there's, there's no confusion about is that one car versus another. A little bit harder to do that for buildings. I think you've got some approach, though, where you're starting to help uniquely identify those buildings and their characteristics. We have a proprietary um, unique identifier for U.S. properties now, and we can tag all of the data attributes um, against those properties. We can layer in all the attributes of that unique identifier. And so it really becomes a powerful tool for our clients to solve many different problems that they have. Yeah, I think in the UK, the government's got there first. So the Ordnance Survey, which is responsible for doing all the mapping here, has got something called a UPRN, which is a unique property reference number you know, that they've, they've released. But it does seem in the US that isn't available as standards. You've got to go and create that yourselves. And then, of course, you add in all the data, as, as you said. Certainly, you know, the capabilities that we're building, we expect to, to, to move and, and, and expand to other markets as well, like the UK and Europe more broadly. And then you know, anybody coming in from outside the insurance industry or even in the insurance industry looks at what you can do now with Google Street View or different versions of Google and would be forgiven for thinking this problem had been solved because Google's gone and mapped lost streets and visually, aerially, all the rest of it. But so, so why, why isn't that good enough? Or you know, why do you think Google hasn't figured this out, given all the data they've got? It's one of the questions we asked ourselves as well. And actually, Google is a, is a strategic partner of ours. Our insurance clients want to make things easier for their their clients, their customers. And so as we think about the future, we're trying to enable that end customer to have the kind of um, experience that they'll want to have that we know our clients want to deliver. Well, good to hear you're working with Google. And and any, any other partners you can name? I think you've got about 100 sources of data in there. I know you create some yourself, but who else are you working with that you're sharing publicly? We have what's called our digital um, hub alliance. And so we have a significant number of partners. We want to create a holistic alliance or platform for our clients to plug into. So it kind of goes back to what I had shared earlier, which is we really believe in sort of an open um, architected environment. And so we're not looking to create a closed circuit. We're really looking to create as open of a platform as possible. And so that's really our approach to the marketplace is how do we bring and aggregate information together that helps our clients, that helps their customers? As you said, it's well over 100 now and growing and we're excited to, you know, to work with anyone that can bring value to our clients. So Digital Hub Alliance, I know it's on your website. Someone can Google it. We'll put a link in the episode notes. So, yeah, rather than putting you on the spot to name however many tens or hundreds of companies on there, we'll let people go and look for themselves. But I know it is it is pretty comprehensive. Uh, but despite all of the partners out there, I know there, there are also some 
data sets that you provide you're quite proud of that are either unique or you're offering something others can't offer? I know you've got something for Flood. Can you talk a little bit about that? We actually um, partnered with an agency in the U.S. called FEMA, and I'm sure some of your listeners are, are familiar with FEMA, but it's the Federal Emergency Management Agency. And in the U.S., uh, Flood is a national program. There are carriers that underwrite Flood, but they tend to be more high-value home carriers or um, sort of excess and surplus market. But FEMA has struggled to really evaluate flood risk. I say struggle, that's that's really not fair. What I mean is it's just a highly, it's a manual intensive process to have sort of boots on the ground, if you will, evaluating all of this manually. And then, as you know, these these perils, they change over time. So how often can you actually update? And so what we CoreLogic have been able to do is provide more of a mechanized um, digital solution where we can actually, through our data and through our modeling, provide very specific readings for FEMA where we've been able to model out what the first floor height actually is. We're quite proud of how we were able to problem solve that working with FEMA, uh, leverage data, leverage modeling, and create an automated solution that not only helps FEMA do a better job, but helps their clients ensure or helps the customers that purchase the flood insurance ensure that they're getting a better product. Yeah, it's so important, isn't it, knowing the level of what the water is going to come up the door. So just translating for our um, certainly non-American audiences. So first floor in the U.S., of course, is ground floor in the U.K. I don't know what the rest, how the rest of the world describes it, actually. I need to find out you know, what is first floor versus ground floor. But essentially, that's where the water is going to start coming into the house and flood it. And yeah, so yeah, great to know that you've, you're helping FEMA do that and complementing what they're doing. So just on that you know, broader topic of catastrophe modeling, can you talk a little bit about what's happening with CoreLogic as you start to look at you know, the increasing requirements for insurers and, and banks as well? So you probably get involved in that side of it to start to measure more specifically what they're doing to understand and manage their own climate change risk. You know, most recently in the UK, we've seen the Bank of England requiring companies to give very specific information around that. But how is that developing from your side alongside your existing models? Climate change has really been at the fore for the insurance industry for a significant last 10, 15 years. But I think what's what I've seen is the big change is, is exactly what you just hit on, which is other financial services companies are now really understanding how important um, it is for them to understand climate risk and, and climate exposure. And so what we see from, you know, non-insurance companies, you know, as you said, banks, mortgage providers, we, we see um, a strong demand from them to really understand what is what is my exposure in this mortgage portfolio or in a loan portfolio? How do I model this against a changing climate risk? So we've worked with several, many, actually, I should say at this point in the U.S., we've also um, worked with several um, government agencies to really start to help them quantify and understand what this risk looks like. And it still seems insurers are doing this better than banks in some way. You know, I think it's going to be interesting to see the convergence. Maybe we'll both learn from each other as this, this moves ahead. Um, but just shifting to the other side of the business now, on claims and particularly interesting to understand what's happening with remote claims assessment. We saw quite a few 
companies you know, during COVID when it was harder to get claims assessors out there. And I think recognition generally is quite an expensive way of, of doing this, certainly for claims that can be settled remotely. Is there anything you're doing in that area to uh, to help companies get you more effective or more quickly and cheaply? And of course, back to your point about the customers, help the customers by understanding and starting the claims process off more quickly. There's a lot of manual work in this process. And so Claims Connect, our claims platform, creates a lot of wins for the insurance company, um, whether it's in a lower, lower expense, um, you know, process, uh, more accuracy and their ability to, to adjudicate losses all the way through to the client who can have significantly quicker, faster cycle times, um, from loss to, to claim close and, and repair. Yeah. And it's definitely a, an area that can benefit from technology and as we all know a dollar saved in claims is a you know, dollar saved from the bottom line you know albeit back to our point about the customer not not of course the detriment of the customer Absolutely. Uh, and then just back to something something we mentioned earlier uh stone point and their investment maybe early days yet because i know that's only closed fairly recently but any uh, sort of ideas about what that's going to help you doing from the company perspective they grew up in the insurance industry right they literally were founded for people who, who don't know through uh, Marsh McLennis. So they've been an investment arm and, um, you know, just amazing partners so far are really focused on growing the value of our, of our business. And that means value to our clients. And so really excited about that. I mean, one of the things I feel like I bring to the team, Matthew, is my experience on the client side um, is really a passion to help grow our clients because at the end of the day that's that's what we're in business to do is to help our clients grow and meet their meet their objectives absolutely you've got to got to look after the client that's how the business grows and nick i've got a question for you which you can choose not to answer or we can edit out the joy of the edits we do on these but do you know which individual or which company has got its ceo which reinsurance company has got a ceo that is a former employee of one of the core logic companies you acquired no i don't know well jean paul conoscenti who is the ceo of score took on my job actually when i left ecucat back in 1996 and he's now running score so again part of the sort of the core logic <laughs> dna <Absolutely. is> yeah <laughs> going out there and uh, they're a client of yours after i mentioned that maybe we should give him a call if they're not um but listen this was great and we're going to be doing some more events with you. Looking forward to that in the in September onwards. Uh, talking a bit more detail about some of these with some of our friends at CoreLogic. We're also coming back to real live events, so you'll be glad to know from the point of view of just seeing your clients and future clients that, uh, and hopefully we'll get you to see you over here in the UK or maybe see you in the US because I'm coming out to the US in November. Get everyone back face to face again and you know talk about this stuff normally have a glass of wine or hear some people on stage. So you know, thanks for the support and really looking forward to doing some more of those things together. Oh, that would be terrific. Matthew, please. Uh, where are you going to be when you uh, come to the U.S.? Uh, well, I am talking at the Property Insurance Report Conference, which Brian Sullivan runs. Yeah. And I'm talking about claims, actually remote claims assessment. And then we're going to do a Instec on tour up further up the to California on the 18th of November. So just putting together the plan for that. But uh, yeah, if you can, if you can get over there from you're based in Dallas, is that right? Yes. Yeah. That'd be exciting. I would love to, I would love to connect for a, a glass of wine. If that's your beverage of choice, that'd be terrific. Brilliant. Well, we'll, we'll liaise on that one and not just you and I, but I'm sure anybody else who wants to see you, we can work that one out. But and on that latter point, for anybody that wants to find out more about 
what you're doing. We mentioned we're going to put some links in there for some of the things you're doing, but yeah, who should they contact you personally or is anybody else they should be? Yeah, no, please reach out to me directly. I, I would love to, you know, talk to anyone who's interested in learning more about CoreLogic or uh, quite honestly, just talking about the industry in general. I, I have a passion for insurance, so w- would welcome the conversation. Brilliant. Well, Mick Nolan at LinkedIn, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to you. Uh, well, I've really enjoyed that conversation, learning a bit more. It's always a pleasure talking to somebody who's come from the industry insurance background as well and really knows where the challenges are. So uh, thank you very much. Thank you for your support for Instead London as well. And uh, yeah, look forward to um, doing more together in the next few months. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you so much for your time. This was terrific. That's it for today. As always, you can contact me, Matthew Grant, on LinkedIn or any of us through hello at instec.london. Now, Robert and I are going to be on next week with our quarterly partner chat and a post-party debrief. Thank you.